Welcome, everyone. It is April 8th, 2019, and this is the first full-length episode of A Mindful Moment. Today, I am here with my good friend and colleague, David Palmer, the Leo King. What's up? What's going on, dude? I'm stoked to be here with you, bro. Oh, man, I'm so excited to have you on. There isn't anyone else I would rather have on my first episode, Two Fire Signs. We're actually recording this on the new moon in Aries. So it's a it's a perfect night to do that. And uh, yeah, it's going to be really great. Today, hey, we're going to be looking honored. at... I'm honored, bro. Oh, me too, man. Me too. <laughs> For we're going to be looking at uh, the astrology of the year into 2020. We've got some big eclipses coming up. And we're going to have a little bit of a discussion back and forth as to kind of what's in store in regards to that. As well as we're going to talk about evolutionary astrology, which is a more modern um, astrological practice. but um, David Palmer is an evolutionary astrologer. And, uh, and then we're also going to talk about the direction that astrology is kind of heading in too. But before we begin, I have a few announcements. Firstly, if you want to support the podcast, head to our Patreon, patreon.com slash I am Will Nichols, and you can support each episode moving forward. You'll also get access to the monthly horoscopes and all of that good stuff. Um, we're also opening up spots for sponsorships. So if you want to sponsor an episode, or multiple episodes, make sure you email willnicholsastrology at gmail.com to set that up. So this is an opportunity for you if you're a local or a small business that wants to get out there and are resonant of the message that I am uh, speaking and provide, then send me an email and we can see if we'd be a good fit for this opportunity. Um, and you can also find David at the Leo King on all platforms. He's uh, very popular on YouTube, and he also has his uh, High Vibe TV. Correct? Yeah, that's High Vibe new TV. App. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's an amazing app where you'll have access to, I mean, amazing um, schools, different spiritual sectors like tarot, astrology, human design, all of that good stuff, as well as uh, you do like daily horoscopes there as well. Yeah, it's 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 moving all the highvibe.tv. I'm in a um, an app move. I so future life is where all the horoscopes are, but they're moving to futurelife.tv in the next couple of weeks and there's an old highvibe TV app which is changing. So I have three apps. So it's <laughs> Yeah. That's awesome. Well, yeah, I'm super excited to get into this and uh and let's dive on in cuz uh, that's the way that we fire signs do it. Let's go. <laughs> So um, first, I want to, you know, introduce you and to anyone who doesn't know you. Um, yeah. Who are you and how did you get into uh, astrology? Well, asking a Leo who they are. I know. We don't have time for an hour and a half. That's what I'm saying. That, but... We're not going to go there. Um, <laughs> I mean, just long story short, I was just a Southern California, just total Leo dude who lived the life growing up on the beach had fun and then had a really gnarly awakening in my late teens i mean it started when i was like 15 16 playing with you know astrology with girls at house parties mm-hmm. like like all the dudes in one corner all the chicks in another corner and nobody talking to each other and i'm like i'm gonna go over there and ask what their sign is and then boom <laughs> like, surrounded by chicks like you want to go see titanic like yeah let's go <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, but then it was my late teens after getting kicked out of the military, going to prison and getting kicked out. I got an other than honorable discharge. So I'm not a bad guy, 
Um, but I wanted to know what happened. I was a captain of the water polo team, captain of so many things in life, you know? Mm-hmm. And I did my astrology and I had a major 12th house transit go on. And I'm like, oh, this rules, you know, hospitals, jails, all the, and I went to the hospital too during the <laughs> Wow. And that was what started it. And then all through my 20s as a raver, I was using astrology at raves. So I kind of used the high school thing, but that was like cuddle puddles, you know, like with people about astrology, their signs. And then after a bunch of like nine to five jobs that didn't work out because of the economy, I literally was like, I'm going to do astrology full time. So I started doing it on Venice beach on the boardwalk and doing it for free and asking for donations and doing like, literally impromptu readings on the boardwalk to random tourists and people every day. Wow. Making enough money for gas and food and figure out my life. And then I did a daily uh, video horoscope after a bunch of reality shows of coming out and saying I'm an astrologer and it blew up. Yeah. And then you're, I mean, how many weekly do you think on average people are watching you and tuning into you? Cause there's a lot. Just your daily, just your lives. Like, I mean, deep astrology, you have around like 30,000 plus people like watching it's, that. Like, yeah. And that's not including on the app. Yeah. The I app's know. Actually, it's weird. So, and so, so social media is like all this, like, let's show how many people follow you. Right. Apps. We don't show that. So I have like 390,000 app downloads. Wow. So it's like, and because of four years of advertising through Facebook and Instagram and installs. Mm-hmm. So it's like the numbers are who knows. Yeah. It's like, and, and it's crazy because of how many walks of life come through seeing it all. Or I do a lot of television shows too. So I'm reaching the mainstream media with astrology really intensely. And and so it's a combination of I'm like a all area. I'm going to hit everybody in every different position I can. Yeah. That. And that's something that's really cool. And I, I did want to touch upon a bit is the fact that you are really bringing it into mainstream specifically right now. I mean, even what you've been doing for the last couple of years has been, you know, still people who are interested or new to astrology and they're still getting into it. But now, I mean, you're, you're going on news stations, you're, you know, on live TV talking about the Steve Harvey, like all of that stuff where like, it's not a, the astrology community watching this. This is like your average mom at home watching this or your average person that's, you know, watching the news is also getting this. So this is like, this is the stuff. And then we'll get into that a little bit more later about, you know, where this is all heading, but this is like, you know, this is it. It's cool. Yeah, it, It's there. I mean, The first show I did saying I was an astrologer was in 2006 on a show called Next on MTV. And I just said like, hey, what's your sign? She was like, I'm a Libra. And I'm like, oh, what's your birthday? And then she's like, October 23rd. I'm like, you actually might be a Scorpio. (laughs) (laughs) And like, you have much more Scorpio eyes. But, um, and then 2010, True Beauty on ABC. That was like the big dog though. But nobody was ready. (laughs) That was great. (laughs) <laughs> people thought I was crazy because literally yeah. like I'm on a reality show where people are talking and I'm like, well, the moon and Saturn are, con- are conjuncting today. This is going to be a very big test for me in my life. And it was in Virgo, Saturn in Virgo. And I'm like, <laughs> 
this is my second house. You know, I'm like, this is a big test of my self-worth. And people are like, what the heck yeah. is this talking about? Yep. You know? Yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. And I mean, you definitely paved the way and, uh, and, and inspired me in that way, specifically when it comes to media. Cause again, like you're definitely one of the bigger, if not like at the top of the most like publicly renowned and recognized faces at least in astrology because you know people can read the books and i'm sure if you're immersed in astrological culture you've heard of stephen forrest or robert hand or you know liz green or all the different you know the main writers readers even rick levine and all of his his columns and everything like that like you've heard of these guys but you don't really see faces too much and that's something that you've definitely revolutionized in my opinion um oh, well, so you. to speak you know like they're really like who was doing good astrology on a more visual thing before you came along not really anybody to be honest like like who who did you have to look up to to that in that retrospect when you first got started on youtube uh well on youtube it was christopher Wateki from soul garden tv now he right. goes by serious joy um <laughs> he was the first astrologer on youtube literally that's cool 2005 and six doing green screen horoscopes and that was he was my sensei i was like his protege mm -hmm. and so we were roommates we I, I learned a lot from him i learned how he structured kind of the business element he was in television and he went to to school as well in la uh, for film but he was in a, produ a producer in television so he took that and technology at the time in the, the mid 2000s was finally youtube was there uh you know you, he had the big mac you know computers like the actual mm -hmm. big cylinder towers and i helped him shoot and he showed me the way and then um he kind of like called himself a stand-up astrologer and it was weird because we connected because we are like the same signs like he's a taurus with a Leo rising and a Leo moon. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Taurus moon with a Leo rising and Leo sun. That's and that funny. was how we connected. So we're like yeah. soul brothers. And uh, for years we worked together and I helped him. And then I finally went out on my own. But then uh, as far as the media goes, you know, there was Joan Quigley, who was the astrologer for Ronald Reagan. She got a little bit of TV time and she got some press for being the astrologer for, you know, um, she got, you know, for being the astrologer of a president. Yeah. But the biggest thing was after that, it was kind of like made fun of. Then there was Susan Miller, but, but it was like Susan was doing some press and some TV but it wasn't like 13 minute segments. Like I just did with Steve Harvey with like helping mm -hmm. a girl find love and looking at the charts of multiple different bachelors and actually doing these big segments or mm -hmm. in reality television, the first reality TV personality to do it. So I didn't have anywhere to really look at. It was kind of like, I kind of created it myself. I was like, astrologers need to now be a persona that is like personas in the world not this weird thing not trying to fit in their bubble but like yeah. owning the astrologer and making the astrologer like nostradamus must have been like where it's like hey 
the astrologers here like woo yeah exactly exactly and i think that's something that i mean sets you apart i think that sets me apart and and other people that are you know on the same wave in that retrospect um doing what we do for a living because again there's i mean how many channels are there of people hello here is your monthly horoscope for the sign of aries like oh my god and that's like that's why when i found you on youtube originally that was like the game changer because everyone was like that and i was like how do i how can i learn more about astrology how can i understand um how to do this all um from like a more because i knew that one-on-one readings as much as they were fun like this isn't my dharma it's not i'm not here to do these like stephen forrest still takes individual clients and he's like four years backed up or something ridiculous like that like i don't want to be 70 years old still taking clients unless it's like (laughs) for fun you know but something like watching what you do it was like that was a really life-changing moment to actually see the one it's possible two it's possible to do it and be extremely successful and three you can have fun and be your like loud and obnoxious self and uh and just kind of laugh at you know any kind of criticism towards that because you're winning like you you know <laughs> in all retrospect you are well i think what it is is like i think the astrology community got locked into an identification mm-hmm. of what an astrologer should act and look like. I think a good example would be in politics, how people think a president should be. So when you see Trump up there, people freak out like what a president shouldn't tweet out craziness. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that was the whole Uranus and Aries lesson was identifications are not so defined as just this only that they can be different, that they can change. And I think what I realized, and it was weird because it was 2010 when Uranus was in Aries with Jupiter. That was a Jupiter-Uranus conjunction in 2010 yeah, from Pisces into Aries. And that switch over. That was the moment when I said, I am going to just be a different based astrologer. That's really cool. So what year did you start full-time astrology? Full-time 2009, as far as doing it with Soul Garden and mm-hmm. doing it a show. And I was the Leo, I guess you could say, director. Mm-hmm. So in the forums, I was like the head Leo that would look after all the Leos. Because he had like a <laughs> couple, couple, like, like 10,000 people on this website back in 2008 and nine, And there was probably like 800 people per sign, something like that. Some wow. of them had more. And I was like the Leo director. So every day I was showing up doing the blogs and then I was doing some horoscopes and then I was doing a, a, a DJ show called Astro Mingle where I would DJ and then just talk astrology. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. So that was when I started at full time. That's awesome. So um, in regards to like starting this path and moving along, um, who were kind of some of your earlier mentors? Well, Christopher, Christopher Wateki was one. Yeah. I would say Michael Erlewine was number two. Um, I got reached out by a venture capitalist uh, to do uh, a, spokesman, a spokesperson role. 
uh, as being an astrologer for a, like a report that would be sold on television direct to people by calling the 800, 800 number or going to the website. And it happened to be one of Michael Erlewine's reports, but it was not geo-based astrology reports. It was helio-based. Mm. So Michael Erlewine is the only one in the world who created his own archetypes and his own personality, four different types of personalities based off helio-based astrology, with that wow. being as the sun is the center of the chart. So already it was a very rare thing. Michael Erlewine was the man who, and still is the man, who created astrology on the computer. He is the mm -hmm. one who created Matrix Software and brought it to the computer. So I got very lucky by the universe to meet him because literally the universe threw it in my lap. And in order for me to sell the product, I told him once, uh, you know, I was out of the venture capital meetings and all that. I was like, I need to talk to the astrologer and get to know him. Mm -hmm. And he mentored me in so many different ways and taught me so much. And then Michael Luton has been a very big influence in my life and a mentor to me. Him and I talk regularly for since 2012. Well, we were talking before that, but we met at UAC 2012 in New Orleans. Mm. Um, I would say that those are like my top three mentors. Um, you know, it's been hard in astrology because a lot of astrologers in the community don't like me. Mm -hmm. So just because I think they don't like the way I do astrology and come across with it. So, but it was funny that those three never really uh, cared. Although uh, another one would be AT man, Tad man. Um, he is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and we're good friends. Um, but as far as like, yeah, like more mentorship, those were my three and are my three still. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. And I mean, it's, it, that is such a cool opportunity for you to have experience because not only was, I mean, he paving the way in that retrospect, but I mean, you went on to, uh, you know, kind of pave your own way from obviously that, that influence too. So it's cool to see that within your own, uh, I mean, all aspects of your media as well. Yeah, it was, uh, and I think that's just kind of how I am. Like, I just, I, you know, I learn what I need to learn, but then it's like, I'm like the kind of person who's like, oh, I can see where this will go that nobody's thought of yet. So I kind of didn't have a mentor as far as like creating a vision and, and taking it because I believed in my heart that an astrologer could be as big as a normal celebrity. Yeah, totally. And I mean, back, if you look at like ancient times, they were <laughs> like, yeah, they were consulting royalty. They were the alchemists. They were the mystics as well as the astrologers. It was kind of like an all inclusive one where they were, you know, obviously like esoteric masters, yes. if you want to call them that, where they were able to be seen in that light. Like if you look at John D and like, mm -hmm. you know, all the royal family astrologers and it's, it's, it's cool to see that revolution come back now and like now at this time in this period of time. And it's not necessarily a, a rapid revolution. Like I feel like, you know, 
I mean, I personally feel like the astrological community could speed it up a little bit and get with the program, but everyone's going at their own pace in divine order. So it's, it's cool to see it all unfold. And already, I mean, just the short period of time, like how long have you been doing the daily? We talked about this a little, uh, a little be, while ago. It'll be seven years on April 10th, 2012 was the first day of a video every day. Crazy, crazy. So amazing. And I mean, that as I mean, that is a lot of time, but it's really not a lot of time, you know, and, and just how much crazy shit has happened in between then. It's unreal. I mean, not even just in your life, but I mean, astrologically, looking at how the direction of everything is, is occurring. And it's, it's cool. Uh, it's cool to see it all unfolding. It's also really cool to be at the forefront of that and to be paving the way in many, uh, many aspects. Yeah, I'm a big 2012 person. I mean, I, I remember reading on an old website on AOL, <laughs> literally with my 56K modem, about 2012 in the Mayan calendar. And I was like, this is like 2001? Yeah. 2000? Like, I just got cable internet, so it must have been 99, 2000. Amazing. It was like, and I was like obsessed. Like, what is up with this 2012 date? what is going on with this? And I read all about it and I'm like, wow, this is when, once I understood the galactic shift points mm -hmm. and as that was really when I was like, especially 2012, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I know I'm here as an individual. And I think like you and many other people knew inside their hearts, 2012 was no joke. And it really was the shifting of the new world and the new age. Yeah. Yeah. I see it kind of as a, as a birthing point for everything that is coming that has come within the last seven years and will continue to come you know and it's yeah it's it's incredible yeah and i wish more people took it seriously because i think that i have a lot of astrologers or even spiritual people who will hit me up and be like dude how did you do all this i'm like didn't you get the calling like from the mayans and <laughs> the cosmology of our universe because if you're on the train and you committed to the train that's what this is about is changing it forever and that's where success is right now exactly exactly and like i always think about how cool it is that that was all happening with uh uranus and aries yeah <laughs> like <laughs> You can't get, like, that's like textbook shit, you know? You can't get, like, any more, like... Square Pluto and Capricorn. Yeah. Like, old system, bashing it out, creating the new astrologer and saying, F you, Jupiter and Cancer with the Mars retrograde stuff. Do you remember in Libra? Like, there was so much Cardinal Cross, <clears throat> Pluto-Uranus stuff in the middle part of the Pluto-Uranus square. And that was when I was busting it out and getting on television shows like talk shows and like BET, E! News. Like it was like mm -hmm. Yahoo front page. Like it was crazy. Yeah. And it's cool to see that kind of uh, be reignited now too, especially this year. And I mean, even uh, the last little bit of last year too, um, kind of one, just you doing that more regularly as opposed to i mean obviously you've got a, as we all do many things on the go and and are doing that but to 
to see that more mainstream is just it's really great like it, it is really great and i think it not only continually inspires the people already doing it and in the community because that's a really big factor because i mean as much as we are we like to see ourselves as superhumans we still have moments where we need that bit of inspiration or and that little bit of hope and whether it's like i don't know i get a little youtube notification saying deep astrology or spiritual dance music or something like that or other um astrological you know forecasts from other great astrologers that i follow or just other spiritual teachers and in general seeing those the people who are walking the talk and seeing the people that are truly you know living the authentic path even if you are doing everything right and you still because we all are human and we still feel moments of doubt and and moment of insecurity to see that is just like that reignition that where you just get that spark again and then you like ah yeah this is why i was doing it you know this is this is why i've been doing this all these years it's like I just needed that little bit of boost. And I think that's cool where we can all influence each other in that uh, regard where, you know, whether it's like a text or whether it's a FaceTime or whether it's a whatever, a video, just to see that and, and be continually inspired by each other. And I truly see that as the kind of more optimistic future of the astrological community is more of that kind of back in the ancient times where it was just groups of scientists trying to figure shit out as opposed to debating who's got the right tactic or, you know, this is the protocol that everyone should follow. It's like, why, you know, what there's more beyond these kind of, you know, not to say that necessarily these organizations are a bad thing, but just that the point that they're at right now, it's kind of, it's on the line between, is this really benefiting the community or is this, you know, kind of creating more stagnancy within the community and both to some regard. But what are your yeah, thoughts on I that? Mean, I think it's like, um, you know, we don't want to, in America, we don't want to tear down, you know, the old buildings. So we call mm-hmm. them, you know, historical landmarks. So yep. to me, the, com- the community and the organizations are historical landmarks. <laughs> That's a really great way of putting it. <laughs> With the like museum. Hi, welcome. This yeah. is how we used to do things back in the day. Like over here, we'd like your $20, please. And here's mm-hmm. a handout. And then attend a four hour lecture on the theory of <laughs> well, I XYZ. Remember, I was at UAC in 2018. I go to UAC for this this whole decade i've been to both ux and it's just hilarious when i'm talking to the board people and they're like we're gonna do a webinar now i'm like welcome to the club <laughs> like Literally. welcome oh, i don't man. know if you know webinars were starting to come out in the 2010 and 11 and 12s like welcome yeah like wow and I, I, there's nothing negative about it. It's just kind of like, that's why I'm saying like historical landmarks, they need to be there to remember where it came from. Yeah. But I hate to say it, but this is the new world now and it's flying by. And, you know, I, you know, 
It's, 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 it's actually sad. I remember on the news at UAC in 2012, one of the head directors of UAC was on uh, the news with me and Michael Erlewine. And the news asked him, like, what do you think about Drew Brees and the Saints? And he goes, he's a Capricorn. He's going to have to be patient. And I'm just like, really? This is the head of UAC on the news looking like a re- – like, looking like just he just like come on like no like that's it like that's all you <laughs> like, like like when they predicted when's he gonna win the super bowl it's like well it's gonna be he's gotta be patient like, <laughs> like you yeah didn't, you didn't you know sometimes you have to like i don't know it's just like this is a different world now and to, to me i battled the whole organization thing for a long time gotten public arguments gotten makeups at uac every year that i've been but uh, now i just am like it's almost like they're 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 playing the whole capricornian story of like with this pluto south node and saturn of we don't want to let go and we want control of astrology so our certification Mm -hmm. is the one that defines what being an astrologer is and without it, then it's just rampant. But it's more like we wish we could be that way, but we can't. So let's throw some control system on this so we can feel some sort of authority and power still. Exactly. And I feel like, I mean, the intention is obviously good because the whole notion with ethics, I think that's a very important thing that you can't necessarily get from being self-taught or independent without common sense and without like true empathy and, and, you know, actually understanding the whole process of astrology and astronomy and, you know, the cosmic cycles and spirituality and all of that. But at the same time, you can't really teach that either. Like there is a level of, in my opinion, experiential um, knowledge that you need to accumulate. Like, yes, I think everyone should have a mentor of some sorts and look up to someone because at the end of the day, you don't ever stop learning. Like every time we have a discussion, every time I discuss anything with like Rick Levine or anyone, I'm always walking away with my mind blown. Like there's always yes. something new that's just like, wow, I didn't even think of it like that. But like, yeah. And that's the cool part about astrology. And that's, I mean, well, t- I want to talk a little bit more about that towards the end, but that's kind of getting us into evolutionary astrology, which I mean, you, this is your practice and this is what I, you identify as an evolutionary astrologer. Is that correct? Yeah, it's one of the subtitles. Yeah, I know. But, it's, um, you know, I would say that it's like one of my core parts of being an astrologer. Mm-hmm. It's like, hard to define. Like, and I feel like that's part of the organizational thing, too, is like now you have to be a Uranian astrologer. Now you have to be an esoteric astrologer. Now you have to be an evolutionary astrologer. Now you have to be a Hellenistic astrologer. It's like, there's so many labels and titles and everything as opposed to, I mean, realistically, you could be a practicing evolutionary astrologer, but still learn from Uranian astrology or still learn from esoteric. Like it's all multi, you know, it's all overlap anyways. It's all part of this. It's all, different languages kind of speaking the same truth and the same message. So it's not that there's any, and I kind of have, I struggled with this a a little bit in the beginning of 
trying to find like one area because I was interested in so many areas of astrology to like, I felt like kind of pressured that I had to specialize in like a certain, certain area of astrology as opposed to just kind of flowing with all these, you know, influences and, and, and different resources. And that's the benefit of all of us being so connected online too, is there's, there's no, it, it's not like in ancient days where you had to sit there, learn how to do the math of calculating your own chart, calculating the, the, the transits. I mean, even before the ephemeris, like before that, like you're, you're calculating everything. You have to know the astronomy, like that's number one. And then you can get into the, you know, more esoteric astrology. But even then the real stuff was all in secret societies and, and all of the, you know, the kind of organizations like that. Now it's all available. Like you don't have to study for 20 years under one mentor before you can even call yourself an astrologer. Uh, which is has its pros and cons, obviously. But at the same time, there's so much information available now. And again, good or bad, good and bad. Like, there's a lot of shit out there, too. That's I'm just like, <laughs> and we always joke about that shit. Yeah. <laughs> Cafe astrology and, you know, Tumblr memes and all that, you know, all that crap. But at the same time, it's cool that it, this is just, it, it's, it's a means of exposure, right? It's just getting people more exposed to it, which is great. And then the people that want to dive deeper, there's an infinite amount of resources for them to do so like it's all there which is the which is the great part and that's i mean getting into more evolutionary astrology first of all like what got you more interested in evolutionary astrology as opposed to other areas of astrology like why aren't you a hellenistic astrologer <laughs> well <laughs> and i don't even really know if i would even call it like the true title of like an evolutionary astrologer i think it's just my own version of evolutionary astrology which would be one is that i believe that the planets from a geo-based chart or even if i look at a, a helio-based chart but from it from a geo-based wherever there are major karmic retrograde zones and i of course i think being an evolutionary astrologer you have to believe in karma number one mm -hmm. number, number two it's about really understanding the rarity of the transits that are happening or the rarity of the aspects that are happening in individuals' charts or in mundane charts. And it's that rarity and that mathematical, very unique times that you know we are going to step into an evolution, especially if we look at certain outer planets or if we look at even like Mars transits in retrograde that are very rare with aspects to rare transits or planets moving signs that are take, they take a long time like outer planets. It's, it's, it's seeing that the signs themselves are evolving. Like Capricorn is evolving the hardest right now. It is a ride at Disneyland that is broken. Yes. So all traditions right now are lost. Some people hold on to Christmas and then they don't feel like it anymore and they can feel it's dying. Marriage from the Pluto-Saturn conjunction of 82 through 84 is now at the 20, you know, 18 through 2020 um, new start of the Saturn-Pluto conjunction. And this is a 35-year cycle of marriage and the redefinition of relationships that is finally at its completion and to see where this is going to go. But it's destroyed that initial understanding of it completely. Um, 
to me, it's about understanding these cycles and these rarities that are what help understand in the signs or the planets themselves and adding in the new elements like Chiron coming into Aries, most people will just say, okay, Chiron's in Aries, da, da, da. Well, one, that's the zero point of astrology. Two, mm -hmm. last time that Chiron went in Aries, we didn't know about Chiron because Chiron's found in 77. Chiron left Aries in 69. I mean, the left Pisces in 69 and entered into Aries in 69 officially when it didn't retrograde back into Pisces. So it wasn't known about. Uh, three, Uranus and uh, Chiron were in opposition for after it was in Aries and then it went into Taurus and it started opposing Uranus and Scorpio. It was, a, it was Saturn and Chiron that were in opposition in the 60s. Now we're having Chiron and Uranus getting closer to conjunction point. So nobody in hundreds, over 100 years has seen this stuff. So yeah. It's Nonetheless, about, noticed it. Correct. So, and, and so it's about really starting to see astrology from not because it's in a planet, it's just in a sign, and this is what it means. But yeah. giving the, the understanding of how rare it is, if it is in there, doing something that it's normally not doing. This is about finding, if, because we are math people as astrologers we are looking for anomalies yeah the anomalies are what is what i would define evolutionary astrology and how to do a horoscope based off that and in somebody's chart understanding that they are going to evolve more than a typical mars transit over the rising every two years whereas if their progressed sun is crossing the rising like me that happened in 2010 to me while Mars crossed over my ascendant and my progressed sun and pushed my progressed sun into my first house. <laughs> yes, that is evolutionary astrology. And that same day, the reality show aired on television. <laughs> you, you can't make this shit up. Like, <laughs> so it's like that's evolutionary astrology is looking at layer upon layer upon layer upon layer and the rarity and the anomalies and and remembering transits of history and the past to evolve to the future mm -hmm. yeah no for sure and i i like that i mean anyone who's like not to say that the old methods and uh ways of calculating astrology like there are some things that are going to be eternal like the math mm -hmm. in regards to astrology that is eternal however the different techniques and the different aspects and the different things well first of all the things that work for me may not work for you and vice versa that's just how it goes yeah. as astrologers we figure out what works for us and you know as the great sylvia brown says you know you take what works and leave the rest and and that's the kind of cool part now obviously there still is underlying factors specifically more so on the logical side um of these are archetypes you know these yeah. are we're working with archetypes here and it is that that's why i really liked um you know carl Jung's work in astrology and and his influence in the kind of 
20th century was really powerful as well as obviously Alan Leo uh, introduction to like the progressed and, and our mm -hmm. secondary progressions and solar arcs and getting more into that. And that's kind of when we see the start of evolutionary astrology. Well, it's cool because at the same time, esoteric astrology was kind of being unraveled too with the Theosophical yeah. Society and Madame Blavsky and um, what's her name? Alice Bailey, who wrote the esoteric uh, and channeled from Dual Cool, the, you know, the Tibetan and all of the, the rays and, you know, influencing that into astrology. So it, it's cool to see the, the moments of that and then skip forward ahead to where we are now where it's still happening. Like there's still more is being evolved, more is being discovered. And I mean, specifically the reset I feel happened in 2012 and, and during that yeah. Uranus in Aries uh, transit, I mean, with all the other aspects Big too. Time. And now it's just continuing on and it's getting faster. Like the pace is picking up. We're all feeling it, um, which is cool because one, we're at the forefront of something pretty amazing that not a lot of people are, I mean, pe more people are waking up to, but there's still quite a, you know, the majority is still not quite there yet. No. So to see that all unfolding now, I mean, it really is an honor. Like even the astrologers back in the day didn't get to see shit like we're seeing now, you know, like no. there's one, not, not just, I mean, looking at what's happening in the astrological communities, but looking at the transits, like we you know this is this is wild stuff and on that note i mean let's get into these eclipses going through this year because the this is some stuff that we don't see often at all and i don't think we really ever will nor have we ever and i mean first i mean looking at the the fact that this year technically has six eclipses right but the the sixth one is in 2020 which is the pair because usually eclipses are, it's like one pair and then an, the anomaly, or it's the back-to-back -back pairs, which will give us four. But we have yeah. actually like a triplicity here going on of three pairs of eclipses, which is really cool. And uh, I mean, specifically, all this Cancer and Capricorn energy, which is very much in sync with the, with the nodes too. Yeah. Because if we look at, I mean, the direction of the nodes, right now like this is very much an influential year specifically for capricorn with saturn pluto i mean the conjunction which happens in early 2020 uh this whole year is kind of building up to that point which is uh which is just i mean incredible shit that we don't see but from a from a more evolutionary perspective for those who are are kind of less familiar with um astrology what if you were to give kind of a more macro perspective of these eclipses or eclipses in general, from an evolutionary perspective, how would you uh, kind of define that? I would say that the rarity of Pluto and Saturn in Capricorn goes back to 1517. So that's 502 years basically. Okay. Now, when was the last time that Jupiter, Pluto, and Saturn came into the same sign of Capricorn with eclipses or a node? You have to go back to 1282, okay? <laughs> Which 
was pretty much the end of the whole Knights Templar and then it brought into the Dark Ages, although that was also Uranus and Cancer on opposition. So what I'm trying to show people is like, this is how far back in the last millennium that this happens, only three times in a millennium. Um, and this one is very significant because this one's more related to the 1517 one um, without Jupiter, but with Uranus that was in Taurus. And it is a new Renaissance period, but during Renaissance periods, lots of art comes out, but who gets remembered? Like, there's a lot of pop stars out there, just like there were pop stars in the Renaissance that were on the corners with their strumming guitars, but what left a mark on the planet? Leonardo da Vinci, um, you know, people who were putting out information that was changing the system. People yeah. who were following the system did not get remembered. Exactly. And on a world scale now, this one's important because this one is why we have the understanding of Pluto. We'd never had Pluto understood till 1930 and 31. So this is a big one because it is about the world having to realize it has to restructure itself. The South Node, unfortunately, is there, which... To me, with the South Node in evolutionary astrology, it is the, the ride is broken. It needs a change. It needs to reset mm -hmm. itself. And it is about not going backwards, like the, the stern of a ship, but the North Node is the bow of the ship. And this is going to reinstate better emotional values, a better, safer place in life, and humans feeling more connected with their divine self. I think cancer rules that true understanding of wholeness. And mm -hmm. that wholeness has been missing for a long time due to the fact of where the world has gone. And so it is these restructuring elements that have to take place to bring back the wholeness of the human being and the wholeness of our fragmented emotional reality that we live in today. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a beautiful description of cancer. And I feel like collectively we've kind of been in this place where we have been in this kind of seeker position of searching for that feeling of home, searching for that feeling of, of wholeness and, 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 and just nurturement, you know, and, and, which is really communing with the divine again and really remembering once again, that, home as cliche as this fucking is is wherever you wander because you are you know a manifestation of the divine so and i think this this is a really great great way to kind of put it because i mean i know a lot of the content out there um specifically on the saturn pluto conjunction is very a lot of times negative and malefic in nature um but it's not necessarily like that especially when we have all this, uh, this kind of direction towards cancer throughout the entirety of the year. Like there's a lot of amazing opportunities being presented. And I think this is a kind of underrated aspect of Saturn too, that a lot of people don't understand, but Saturn really is the opportunist. Like he will give us immense opportunities if we're willing to work for it, if we're willing to change and, and follow the path of initiation which is Saturn is the gatekeeper. You know, he, he's the, 
he's who you have to go by if you want to get to the other planets. So it's, and, it's true. But with Saturn, there's the male version and the female version. Yeah. As Aquarius and Capricorn are ruled by Saturn. And what's interesting about Capricorn is there is a feminine element because it is a feminine sign. But Saturn gets attached to Kronos and a, a male figure. Um, even though that is more of the, the, the Capricornian kind of style. But there is this feminine version of Capricorn that I feel is part of this restructuring. That is where the payoff is. And the more masculine form of it is where we will see us get crushed by our own over-accomplishing, you know, using too exactly. much energy and not thinking about our own self-care, which, again, the nodes are in feminine signs, you know? And I think that with the interesting aspect is when the nodes and this Pluto-Saturn started to come close, you have Jupiter in its home sign, you have Neptune in its home sign, you got Saturn in its home sign, we had Mars in its home sign, start this year off with all the planets direct. Yep. That's never gonna happen in our lives again. And with all these placements in dignity, with all the planets direct, 2019 is a last call before the Saturn-Pluto conjunction happens at the beginning of 2020, which ironically enough, when that conjunction happens at the beginning of 2020, Jupiter will have entered into Capricorn, its fall position, so it loses its extreme strength. Jupiter is a weird one. Jupiter goes from being home to falling to its worst place. Yeah. That is one of the weirdest placements of all astrology. Two, the south node will be heading in 2020 towards the galactic center point and crossing into Sagittarius while Pluto and Saturn will come back to conjunction as they build up to the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in Aquarius at the end of 2020 with the galactic center south node. This is... This is the galaxy and the alignment of a new world truly coming. But for those that are not ready to ditch the understandings of how the world was, there is a sense of that you are lost or that you are in a jail. This is mm -hmm. the breakout for humanity of jail. And that wholeness can only be found by the breakout of the traditional norms, the traditions, the organizations, and even allowing you to think that the government will answer all of your problems. Or <laughs> the other element too is the, the, the recognition element of what you are recognized as or defined as, as what you came here to do is being forced to switch into, especially as the North Node in 2019 here will cross over the star Sirius. There is this reconnecting with the ultimate, more higher Egyptian style or ancient wisdom style path of mm -hmm. that the nodes in these eclipses are moving towards the galactic well, basically the Milky Way. They're going to be connected with the Milky Way. Um, and that, 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 to me, is the significant element 
that this 2020 transition is your last chance in 2019 to find what ship you're going to be on, or as Dolores Cannon says, which earth, the new earth or the old earth. There is a splitting Mm -hmm. that is happening. And I feel like what I've noticed in every Saturn, Pluto, and Capricorn uh, has been plagues. Although I think that the new plagues are unhappiness that cause disease. I don't think, Definitely. That, you know, a lot of people are worried about because of the overuse of antibiotics or stuff <laughs> like that, or the food that we eat. I really feel that it is the emotional body that is tired of living in a system in a jail that people are feeling not connected because they're not looking or have any connection to the ancient wisdom, divine sovereign knowledge that brings wholeness in itself. Totally. And this conjunction is really like, I really like that you said that it's like the final call. Cause I really feel like this conjunction, especially in direct synchronicity with the eclipses, all of this happening it is like the final call. It's like the, you know, train's going. Train is fucking going. It's like you're on or you're off. And that is really representative of the direction that we're going. And that's also that, you know, the, the, you can see it as the stern side to, to Saturn as well. And, yeah. and that's what it is. It's like, you know, you're with me or you're not. You're, you're going to be following the path or you're not. And if you don't, then there will be consequences. And if you do, then there will be rewards. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that it's going to happen, you know, magically. It means that you're going to have to walk the path. And that's really kind of what this whole year is prepping us for, is, is, is to fully be able to step into that alignment. And then from that place, then decide for ourselves, you know, from a more conscious perspective, as opposed to we're so used to operating on a subconscious level with our are just vomiting our own traumas and and subconscious shit onto other people and just being navigated by that as opposed to being in alignment with the divine, which I mean, the communal with the mother and the communal with the, with the, the highest, you know, divine, whether you want to call it like the God, goddess, absolute, whatever it it is representative of that, that North node in in cancer too. And, And it's that coming home to mom, you know, it's like, we're, and that is, actually in harmony with Gaia, with earth, with right. the cosmos, with everything. It's all, it, it's, it's alignment versus, I mean, the path of, of resistance. We can only do that for so long. It really is going to come to, I think the battle of what cosmology is the way that humans view the universe that we live in. Mm-hmm. And that, is either one of an aligned one or as scientists today like to think of it as an anomaly that makes no sense and we're randomly here, which is ironic to the fact that we look for anomalies in astrology. We put meaning in a positive direction with it of evolution, whereas the science community looks at an anomaly as we're just a random act that science produced yeah (laughs) and that's the the big change here is are we going to continue on the same time system the time system that saturn rules with the south node and saturn i thought today was friday it's thursday 
Yeah, I know. Okay? Like, this is happening to a lot of people that the traditional time, the Gregorian calendar system, which, by the way, is a never-ending infinity jail system that just adds another year to the number. That's yep. it. Whereas the cosmology and the astrology really prove of the universe with the galactic understanding of time and the planetary aspect of time, that there is a fresh, unique minute, hour, and day, and month, and year, and great year all the time happening with different vibrations and colors and everything. Not every day is exactly the same as Nine Inch Nails or Trent Reznor would say. <laughs> exactly. And, and that's when you kind of get into, I mean, tracking cycles and looking at time from a more cyclical perspective as opposed to a more linear perspective, mm -hmm. which is what we're used to. We're used to numbers going up and that's it. As opposed to, I mean, from a more astrological, cosmological perspective, we're used to looking at cycles and tracking cycles and, and seeing how different cycles interact with different other cycles basically yeah. and the relationships between those and 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 observing that and interpreting that because it is at the end of the day just different frequencies interacting with different frequencies yeah. and we are the translators basically as astrologers of uh, translating frequency uh to to make sense to people and and to actually understand it from uh from a i'm I, ideally a more higher and divine perspective but not all the time it, it looks like that either because uh, you can do it from a linear perspective. You can do it. I'm sure you've known people. I'm sure you've had people come to you for readings that have had other readings from other people that have kind of been the embodiment of that and the epitome of that. Um, yeah, and or I, I, myself, I've bought a reading from about 80% of what we know as the popular astrologers just to see what was being said. Yeah. So I can see where there's gaps and missing in the marketplace of readings and as a spiritual sense as well, what's missing. And what did you, uh, what did you find? That people want answers. Exactly. They don't want printouts. They don't want possibilities. They want cold, well, not even cold, warm, <laughs> understanding empathetic and telling people exactly what they already knew they needed the verification of that is the answer that hits their soul so hard that makes them fully in alignment mm -hmm. yes it's yes. not about doing an old school natal chart reading go buy a parker's astrology book literally <laughs> Go buy uh, Linda Goodman's Sun Signs. <laughs> like, why pay an astrologer to just sit there and tell you that Mars in the 12th house is this? And I mean, there's people, and I believe that there's astrologers out there to do that. But this also is the advancement of the new world. And so if, if we're going to look at, you know, and I, and, I, and I will give the astrology community a little bit of a, a hard time here. It looks at the world like this needs to change. It's old and this needs to change of outside of astrology perspective. Mm -hmm. How come it doesn't do that to itself? 
Yeah. And that's the issue too with having, I mean, the demographic of the astrological community is definitely not young people. <laughs> it's, it's old people who have been doing this for 30, 40, 50 plus years and, uh, and they make the rules. And then when the younger people come along, there's kind of this more, well, that's the criteria for us. It's like, now I have to live up to this, this person who has done 40 years of their own astrological research. So obviously they must know some things and they definitely do, but, is that relevant to the current direction of astrology? Is that relevant to the current evolution of humanity is a whole other question. And I don't think enough people are asking that question. Well, look at Elvis, look at the Beatles, look at Led Zeppelin. Um, they were going against music that was about being classically tuned, yep. that you were not a musician unless you went to music school, knew how to read music and play it on a piano exactly to key and chord. Yeah. And um, perform it in a suit or perform it in a very professional manner. The fact that Elvis danced and showed his legs moving in a certain way blew people's minds to the fact where they wanted to censor it um the beatles changed the way that music could be although george martin their producer was very highly classically well, all of them were very highly classically trained but um led zeppelin broke the barriers of rock and roll music um, but really, the astrology community now is facing this rock star element of rock and roll coming in and a bunch of old, you know, classically orchestrated, um, you know, symphony orchestra style of astrology, which is beautiful in itself. It um, is. And it is very important to know and have. But it is also at a time in which it's not providing the same vibrations of where the universe is at today. If we look at the astrology, it is a more rock star, rock and roll, powerful display of emotion and humanity expressing itself much more raw and intensely. And that is what this is is that this new astrology is the elvis that is scaring the pejesus out of them yeah no totally and it's and uh that's why it's exciting that's why it really is exciting and i mean that's part of the reason why i think we resonate with each other so much too is because we're both rock stars in that retrospect um and it's cool to to Again, and, and it's also terrifying. I'm not going to lie. It's, it's absolutely terrifying to have, I mean, either in your experience, the whole community not approve of what you're doing in many regards because you're, you're the anomaly and all that 12th house energy <laughs> coming in, tearing it up. And, uh, but to be at this point in time where we're able to, witness this all happening and unfolding and then from that place see it actually provide positive change actually provide positive impact that's all the proof that we need you know to keep it going that's all the inspiration and the this little spark kind of what i was saying in the beginning of 
of, of hope to keep it going. And then from there, it's like, it's just a never ending fire. And, and right. once it, once it starts, it's, it's not going out. doesn't matter no. how many old farts are trying to pour water on it. It's like, it's raging and it's going and it, you, you have to let it do its thing. And I think that's the issue too, with a lot of these um, societies and, and, and groups is that they kind of are trying to dictate the way that it's going and right. the, the, the way that it's evolving and, and how it's unfolding. And as much as you can try to do that, I think this is really representative of Saturn and Capricorn and Saturn and Pluto conjunction too. And with the South node there, of again just really trying as hard as possible to change fate and to to really you know move the dharma and to try and have that sense of control over it at the end of the day it's gonna happen the way it's gonna happen and uh and you you can only do so much before you you just are obliterated and you know pushed out of the way well like elvis he brought the blues and the more deep South Tennessee, Memphis, you know, especially he took a lot of his influence from more, you know, African-American or black um, influence and, mm -hmm. and added it to his rock. And that was the thing was sure it sent, it got a lot of people upset, but actually the reason why people loved it was he was taking great wisdom from elders that were doing kind of blues and, and blues rock and the older stuff and brought it into a more shiny, more exciting, more new age and more fun and more expressive way that naturally was already built inside people to, to excite and understand. Like when Linkin Park came out as a DJ to hear rock music with electronic and, and, and with scratching and with synths and, 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 yeah. and you know, it was like, oh my gosh, right? Like, that's what this is. That naturally we knew rock and roll. Naturally we had been hearing electronica, but it was like, like Eiffel, whatever, like I'm blue, da 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 Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but then there was like Daft Punk and stuff, but it's like, that's the thing in the astrology community is like, we are taking the classical elements. So it's not like we've denied it or saying that that's not the way to go. Or that it's it, irrelevant. It's like, yeah, it correct. is still hold a lot of relevancy and it always will. And, and you know, for as right. long as we're using this system, because there are that core fundamentals of, of, of basics. And that's kind of the cool part about, astrology being a science now i don't necessarily believe that it's a definite science because it is that there's many ways of going about it but the true definition of science you know it's always discovering it's always pioneering it's always coming up with new theses and new understandings of of the the data and the same data and and getting new data and and utilizing new tactics to utilize the data and it's just right. this never-ending cycle and i and it's very reflective actually of the present scientific community in the world of how kind of in denial they are of anything beyond what they can physically tangibly grasp and understand like just the i mean the the concept of dna and the concept of atoms and the concept of particles and dark matter that we can't see was a really big you know, wake up call to the physics community, to the scientific community. And 
likewise, we're, we're kind of seeing that in the astrological community too, where we're kind of mixing and matching these, these styles where yeah. I can look at Hellenistic uh, astrology and, you know, Pythagoras and Ptolemy and, and, and understand and read what they're saying and find immense relevance to my own personal practice and my consultations and my understanding of astrology while simultaneously looking at Robert Hand and Stephen Forrest and you and other, you know, Liz Green and, and, and Carl Jung and more modern astral Alan Leo, like all these guys and like this mashup is what is creating this next wave, which is really cool because again, we've never had this before. We've never had this moment where we can get more modern resources with the ancient resources. Like they're still translating Arabic texts and Vedic texts and, and yeah, Greco Roman yeah. texts that are like that we haven't even read yet that are astrology, you know, related. And it's like, Holy, there, there's all this new newness being integrated now. But I think there is that line too, between we have to recognize the, that as much as uh, the ancient tactics and and processes hold relevance and i can't even speak that much on them because i'm not a hellenistic or ancient astrologer whatsoever but seeing the relevance while simultaneously recognizing that we are in a new age we are in an age where all of that like there's more than seven planets now you know there's more there's there's more asteroids there's there's a now a deeper understanding of fixed stars and there's a deeper understanding of of, uh, I mean, these once in a lifetime aspects that we've never seen before, all unfolding in this now moment where, yeah, you know what, these ancient techniques won't necessarily work or apply to the macro perspective of what's going on here. Like even the kind of introduction of midpoints and stuff, which I think was from like Germany in the early 1900s. Um, I forget what the uh, astrological university was or whatever that they kind of in- invented basically midpoints but that like just these new advancements that we're seeing in the 20th century was a really great time for astrology of of all of that new advancements very skeptical like very much uh people were very shooken up about that because that was like the first re big reintroduction since the early like since the renaissance pretty much you know there was like after the dark like dark ages that shut it all down for a long period of time and then it kind of slowly started popping up again in the in the i guess it would be like the 18th century and to to now which is cool so it's like it's like we have this old knowledge of astrology and then there was a gap and then now we have this new knowledge that's i don't even know if it's necessarily new i think it's just being rediscovered you know we're just really rediscovering what i'm sure many people already knew yeah Well, I think that's part of the whole 2012 shift was moving out of the sun's position on the galactic equator and rising above it as the same way that the sun on the ecliptic on March 20th gets exalted, right? Yeah. That that the, that the sun's position in the the actual galaxy and the um the position of where it's at at the equator of the galaxy is now exalting itself into the spring. And, 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 and that's what the sun does. The sun goes to the spring, a summer, uh, a fall and a winter in a galactic scale. And so we've been in the winter for 
about 6,000 years. So it's no irony to me that in 2012, you know, things like Skype became more normalized on a phone. Yes, yeah. it was on a computer in the late 2000s, but it was like by, by 2012, you could pick up and FaceTime somebody. Yeah. It was like, this is where things are going. Um, there's a lot of other examples I can use, but that was a very simple one to really kind of correlate with the spring of this new understanding of, because everything is sun-based, whether it's Egypt and Horus or, you know, understanding, especially in Western astrology, that it is the sun's position wherever it is at, whether it is ecliptic wise and tropical or whether you're using it in sidereal or whether you're using it in helio or whether you're using it in the actual understandings of cosmology through um, galactic shift points. Um, it's about understanding the projection of this reality comes through the sun which I believe is connected to other suns as relay points to the whole galaxy and is putting out different movies or visualizations of this reality. Totally. Totally. Yeah. No, it's a, we're at a, we're at a big turning point. I like that you mentioned technology too, because that's definitely, you know, that Uranus influence of the Aquarian age. Yeah, and and that's what we're heading into, and that's what we where we're at right now. I mean, fully like fully. stepping into that though now, which we've kind of seen since 2012 and and beyond, and that's it. We're at, we're in that, and and you can kind of feel that that weirdness that Uranus brings too. Now, I mean, it's specifically during the 2012 and until Uranus just recently went into Taurus, but that whole Uranus in Aries, that it, it was that weird kind of rediscovering of where we're headed and where we're going and, and what this new direction is. And it, it, I, that's the one thing I really admire and love about, you know, Aries is that, that childlike perspective where they're able to see the world with these big beady eyes and, and, and just go about it from that curious kind of inner child perspective i always say like aries is the child of the zodiac because they're the they're first one they're like you know i'm coming here and i'm a newborn i want to figure out what the hell this is all about and i want to understand right. it all well when uranus came back to ingress into aries in 2011 in march when we had uh fukushima that was a very big kind of like uranus saying wake up this is how the transit will be right? yeah now, a lot of astrologers we looked at this year during, you know, that March 5th and 6th period when Uranus entered into Taurus again. And what was it? It was truly, in my opinion, the understanding of like a brand new plane, the Boeing 737 Max S that was delivered during the Venus retrograde with Uranus in opposition in October and November of 2018 realizing that this technology thing actually might not be as easy as we thought it's going to be. I think yep. in Aries, it brought about the innovation. It brought about 
the power to do it, but Taurus is going to remind us. And so many people are worried about AI killing us or they're so worried about <laughs> technology. Technology is going to have a rough time in Taurus. It did last time as well. And, um, you know, whether we look at World War, the beginnings of World War II and, you know, the Germans had all the planes, but their, 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 their panzer tanks were nothing for the, for the Russian tanks. Um, to um, the Bismarck being created by Germany that was sunk, to um, you know this understanding that the electrical grid that Pluto entering into Aquarius in 2023 and then back in 2024, and the Jupiter Saturn that are entering in 2020. Um, into Aquarius is going to show us that our electrical grid doesn't even match the kind of technology that we want to do, that we are more primitive than we actually think we are. Yep. And I think it's actually a good thing. Oh, yeah. It's for our own good. I mean, because if you think about that Uranus transit that just happened with that plane, it's the, the plane's been grounded everywhere. And it was the best, pl- it was supposed to be the best plane. It was supposed to basically literally auto fly itself. And it unfortunately killed a lot of people, which is horrible, but it also scared the bejesus out of a million pilots that these software programs, these AI systems are not foolproof. And I think Taurus is going to remind the value of human quality to things, not technology. Uranus mm-hmm. to me is more human than technology. Technology is our baby, but it is not the definition of Uranus. Uranus is humanity first. So, yep. um, because it's a stemming from humanity. And you can look at Uranus from stemming out a lot of different things, including children like Kronos who eat babies. <laughs> exactly. Well, Uranus was the father. In Correct the mythology. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it's what, funny. What's in, what's in his gene pool? Did he yeah. do? Did he do? Um, you know, twenty three and Me before he had that. <laughs> I don't think he was expecting that one. <laughs> yeah, it's it's cool to see that too because, uh, I mean, we really start to now begin to uh, collectively with Uranus and Taurus go back into the Venetian kind of more craftsman oriented mm-hmm. more sensual you know using the hands the malleable like building from from a more uh whole and and beautiful perspective as opposed to the the fast you know fast-paced rapid mars kind of type of energy that yeah, you're on go 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 throw yeah the, exactly throw the battery in it get it exactly. out get it out get it out and now with the fixed sign it's like okay let's we're in it for the long haul here, right? This is, we've recognized that we've had this evolution happen, yeah. right? 2012, all of that. Now we have to kind of get everything in check, get everything leveled up. Cause we can't, you can't build tall buildings on shitty foundations. No. That, that you built in two weeks. Uranus is in a feminine sign now. Yeah. Mars is the most masculine. So, that it's was like, a big shift. That was a big shift. Like, I don't know about you, but I literally, like, the day it happened, I felt that shit. And, like, yeah. coming on, it was like, 
whoa, it was like, it was like a new world. It was like a new world. So it was, and, but it, 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 it doesn't, it didn't create some, I know there's been volcanoes lately and, and of course earthquakes and stuff, but it, it really brought more about the attention to a lot of technology, uh, rearrangement of society and the world stage as far as the, um, I guess you could say cooperation between different countries and yeah. property. Cause really countries rule, in my opinion, they, they get looked at as the ninth house. But to me, I think property is the second and countries are really property owners and what is going to be described government's own property. So yeah. it is the properties changing the, uh, the leaders changing with the Saturn Pluto and South node and Capricorn and we are about to see the same, but even more intense transition of world leaders and countries and alliances that we saw in the last year on Astoris. Definitely. And, and I think it is collectively really bringing people a lot of uh, much needed stability too, because it has been quite a kind of, it's shooken us up, you know, the last decade. It's been quite an awakening. Yeah. And not a not a very pleasant one either, you know. It's been no. a very, whoa, oh, okay, you know. There's now a lot it's of the shit. outside world though that is going crazy. Where it was our inner worlds for most yeah. of this decade that was going crazy. But I'd rather it's have true. a peaceful inner world than a um, chaotic inner world. Definitely, and I feel like that's what. It really is meant by the kind of splitting of the the new earth from the old earth too it's that it's being able to master it, the inner world and 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 once you have that established you're in alignment with now the new earth and the new uh reality that's unfolding as opposed to when you're not doing the work quote unquote i don't think it's actually work i think it's alignment and it's yeah you know that's all it is are you in alignment with your highest potential and your highest self and are you allowing the divine to you know flow through you or are you in resistance to that right and that's going to determine where you're at and where you're headed and like it always does it always does but i also think that it reminds people to uh, when we look at this alignment or when we look at this you know connected to source this is a good proof of the law of attraction we all went through a massive inner chaotic world for the awakening yeah so this is the recourse of that of the chaotic outer world and now as we are settled within ourselves in an inner world the outer world is going to play out what happened in the inner world and we are going to watch the adjustment to it come back to alignment with our peaceful inner world and that's going to be a beautiful experience but people are freaking out right now they seem to freak out inner and outer when you're in the <laughs> world you think you're crazy you think you're gonna die um you feel that you're lost or alone or that you're under misunderstood or you don't understand why you're here in the universe and then when it's the outer world there's the literal fear of oh my gosh the food i'm eating is going to give me cancer to um oh my gosh the uh this person's in power we're gonna die because this person's in power or yeah um oh my gosh the chemtrails are putting you know, certain chemicals in our body for 5G to see us in um, different rooms as a military thing. But I think that those are all valid points, but 
really what it is about is whether or not people are going to realize like there is no fear and 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 i mean just a hundred years ago i mean we're talking about people were dying from polio normally people were still dying from like the actual old black plague still that was still around yeah um people were dying from like a fever <laughs> literally still. um so i mean we've come a long way and so uh, you know people freak out about a lot of these things and a lot of these conspiracy theories have extreme validation but the fear of them is what creates more chaos in the reality that now it is going to be the ultimate test of if humanity can rise above the fear that it's going to screw this whole thing up when really it's far from screwing it up. And it's really based on the understanding of the cosmology of how we look at what this world is that we live in from more of a centralized look that everything really is more pointing down on us and our reality than this out there that we keep searching for and find nothing mm -hmm. uh, for a reason. Although we're going to realize like in the alchemist, the book that it was right underneath us all along the treasure. Exactly. And I, I feel like that's a really, a great point too with uh, Uranus now and Taurus is we we really find ourselves collectively building our earth like building mm -hmm. this new earth and and Taurus is the builder it's the it's creating the aesthetic of how we desire our reality to look and it is in very much uh, synchronicity with the whole kind of law of attraction uh, notion and it's like you know we get we reap what we sow and and at the end of the day that's that's karma too you know that's dharma that's karma it's it's what it, what are you embodying and you'll see more of it yeah regardless of whatever interior, it is an exterior designer exactly and hence exactly. it rules designer clothes too yeah but like you know like it, it really is about designing and when you add Capricorn and when you add Virgo in a trine, in a grand trine, that's where you yep. get architecture. Totally. Totally. But, you know, we have a big part of the architecture with these transits of Saturn, Pluto, and Uranus, and Taurus, and Pluto, and Saturn, and Capricorn. But when we get these trines with Virgo energy, it really is those moments that you can architect some amazing things. Um, and so this is a great time for redesigning the exterior world while seeing the value of our interior soul, be able to do that, to feel and rise up to seeing the greater power of humanity opposed to the fall of what we think of humanity is, which that's the thing that I'm really trying to express to a lot of spiritual people in the community is there's so many people in fear um from from everything like uh that 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 i'm like hey don't buy into that right now because you are uh, a human being that can rise above uh corn syrup and you can rise above yeah. <laughs> things i mean like, you're you're really putting yourself lower than corn syrup you're putting yourself lower than chem yeah. you're putting yourself lower than these things that are very valid 
but I think it is seeing that when humanity rises above and knows that it is a very divinely powerful, architecturally divinely built species that has more power than we even realize. Then we can fathom at this point. Correct. That, that these things that we're so afraid of are actually not valid. Yeah. And ultimately are just an illusion at the end of the day. I mean, today I can walk down the street and if a bee runs in my face, I'm going to be like not scared because yeah. I'm going to tell the bee, I love you. I know that you're just wanting to check me out and I'm not going to put out that vibe of fear. The bee's going to actually be my friend and be like, Hey dude, nice to see you. I'm just looking for where my tribe is. We're like looking for to make some honey right now. And yeah. Like, okay, cool. See you, bro. See ya. So exactly. You know, but like uh, people are taking these things and looking at them as good. And I think Pluto and Saturn uh, conjunct with the South node and with Jupiter, which will enter here in just, you know, November, December of 2019, mm -hmm. or it'll be December. Uh, yeah. It's December 2nd or yeah, uh -huh. um, yeah. will be the people will be seeing these things as behemoth giants out to eat us. And it will really be as something as simple as like, if you, if you put the value to them as a giant, then it is in your own way. Yeah. It's what you put value to. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's why I look at things today and I don't put value to things that don't honor the ultimate power of what humanity <laughs> truly is exactly exactly i always say <laughs> that's funny i always say like for example like i don't i don't believe in getting sick like i don't believe in shit like that i don't believe in giving away your power to anything that you don't want yeah because at the end of the day that's the only thing that's giving you that experience anyways yeah <laughs> that's like, the irony yeah or you know, people will see people do things and be like, man, you're like, must be a superhuman. Like you, you climbed Mount Everest like five times. And it's like, yeah. it's like to that person, it's like, they know the value inside themselves. Like, what do you mean? It's like a walk in the park for me. I'm looking for a bigger mountain. Yeah, literally. You know, and or, they, they, they wanted it. This is what they wanted. This is what they wanted to do. Yeah. And, or uh, to me, the chess masters are what fascinate me. The guy, like the Russian guy, uh, who can literally beat like 14 people at once with yeah, so looking nuts. at the board. <laughs> literally. Um, like, okay, well, like, where did you get that? Oh, you, that's the, you know your value in that. You own that and you know that. Yeah. So, so when people attach to these fear-based things like who's the president, what's happening with Brexit, who's the next prime minister at this country, who's the next, <laughs> you know, it's like they're giving away their sovereign power to an outside resource that's more valuable than the species itself and including the, their own value of themselves. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what's changing. That's what's changing is, is are people ready to not be superhumans, but realize that we already are superhumans and own it. Yeah. And from an esoteric perspective too, Taurus really symbolizes illumination. And it rules the third eye and being able yeah. to see beyond the, the illusions and, and fully 
welcome in, you know, yeah. what you define. And that's yes. a, that's a real big epitome of Venus too, is knowing one's worth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the feminine really just is here to embody everything that she is because she knows that she is divine. She knows that and she feel is it fully and, and really yeah. actually experience it. Through no, it's not a linear, it's not a yeah. mental process whatsoever. Right. Yeah. It's a feeling. It's just a knowing. Actually, it's a present it moment. Is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a present moment. Exactly. Like, you're not thinking about if the, the coffee's boiling in the middle of getting a massage. Exactly. Did I leave the garage? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Especially when the coconut oil gets thrown on, you know. Oh, and, no. And you're like, and it's like, whoa, what the hell, you know? <laughs> and it's like, it's on Valentine's Day or something. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And the, the chocolate-covered strawberries come out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, and it's like, and you're in love with that girl or whatever, you know? It's like, boom. Like, wow. That's it. They're not thinking about your bank account tomorrow. You're not thinking about no. what time you're going to go pee. No, or yeah. something that some guy said to you 14 years right. ago yeah. that has or hurt you. If they're blowing chemtrails at the moment. <laughs> like, or if there's... Are they, you're like, oh, <laughs> check. hey, are they, are, they, uh, are, they, are they doing chemtrails right now? Oh, my God. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> Can we open Close the, window? the window? I need to see. I need to see. <laughs> oh my gosh! Do you mind if I just wear this uh, breathing mask? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't take it off. I can't take our, it. Our no, no making out. No making no out. Making we out. need to wear our breathalyzers. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, so you know. I, I think that's what's the beautiful part of it, that this next era is is uh, paranoia that is unwarranted mm-hmm. because the opposite of paranoia would be um, em- embodiment of of sovereignty or so- sovereign um, like or supreme yeah greatness uh beauty uh true love equilibrium just just honoring like the all that is yeah and um so so to me i'm not worried about all this i i i'm actually like excited for it but i think a lot of people are afraid and and this is also to kind of you know bring in some of the last astrology bits here this neptune in pisces has been a very confusing and very brainwashy experience for people from the media from mm-hmm. lots of different outlets whether it's a, even it's on youtube too right like, oh yeah um there it's in all angles um and then when you have saturn which has come into sextile both in their home signs which is ironic because they're coming into their home signs to sextile, which that one's been very rare throughout the millennium. You'd have to go back a long time. Yeah. Do you know when the last time that was? Oh, I, I, I think I had run it before and it was, you know, I like the Neptune cycle. Like last one's 1850s, uh, Jupiter and its home sign squared at 1852, but it was, 
the spirituality really coming out again, but it became kind of a circus show. Yeah. Um, the time before that, 1692, uh, the, the witch trials. Um, yeah. You know, you just start following the patterns back. Then you get to the 1500s and the Renaissance and the church, the churches all change. The Catholic church, um, you know, gets split off into basically, you know, after King Henry VIII creates the, uh, the church of England creates mm-hmm. what we know as Protestants. Protestant. Yep. And, and, and the shifting of Christianity. Um, and, and so, you know, it's like the farther you go back, you start to notice these cycles. This one is redefining uh, whether a it's a, a galactic or higher mission or the opposite of that, which is a numbing of going on a path that is being brainwashed for you to be told to do. Exactly. And there's a really big um, emphasis around surrender when it comes to yeah. Pisces and the Christ energy. Cause Pisces, a lot of people forget that, but it is representative of the Christ consciousness. 100. Yeah, totally. And, and the, that emergence of the, all that is, and same with the 12th house. That's why I feel like the 12th house gets a really bad rep too uh, in that regard, because it is, it's the house of Christ. It's the, it's the final, it's the final point where we kind of commune once again, with the divine in, in from a zodiacal order perspective, it's like we have established our identity, which is the first house. And, you know, we've, we've built our way to having sustainable relationships that when we hit the seventh house and then establishing our place in the world, which is the 10th house in mid heaven, but before we finally, you know, come back full cycle and, and, and merge with, with the all that is and recognize our, our place as, as an embodiment of, of the Christ energy, which is the Pisces and, and the 12th house and, yeah. and also the ascendant. And also like that, that it's that zero point where we mm-hmm. come back into it. You know, it's like yeah. the, the whole process of reincarnation. It's we, we leave it and we come back in. And the 12th house is on the horizon in view. Yeah, exactly. So it's the opposite thing. Like, like the sun in the first or any planet in the first house is actually below the horizon line and hidden, which is the dark side of the ego. And, and it's the, it's the night sex well. too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're both flipped. Definitely. Like, and the understanding of the core fundamentals of just, you know, astrology and this, and the, um, you know, like the, the basic actual ecliptic understanding and cycle as Aries being the first and, Pisces being the, the last sign of the sun's journey. Yeah. But in our personal journeys, we see a double-sided sword of the 12th being either A, a moment of that glorious sun rising, literally, um, to its great spiritual glory, or it literally coming into the delusion that it's glorified from a sense of not being in alignment and being exposed of that subconscious or unconscious stuff. Or in the first house, when planets come into the first house, which they come in from a space of being in the nighttime. Yeah. You know, there is that courage to know that the day is coming, but th- that also at the same time, there's the dark side of the ego that lies within that spot. 
Yeah. And, and knowing that you have to navigate your way through the dark mm-hmm. and knowing that you have to figure that all out. And I want to come back to the Neptune and Pisces though, because this is a really important transit for us collectively. One, because I mean, we're used to from a more personality sun sign level of astrology, seeing Neptune as a planet of illusions and delusion and, you know, mysteries and, and, and hidden things. But Neptune also is the kind of gateway to higher love. And it, it really re- is representative of that Christ energy. It's really representative of, you know, the higher heart, 5D, whatever you want to call it, but fully coming into that embodiment. Now, the only way to do that is by being able to transcend the illusions. And that's what and Neptune, you know, teaches us. That whole yeah. Neptunian archetype is learning how to, work with and flow with the illusions and, and realize that, I mean, at the end of the day, when you're tapped into the Christ energy, you're in control of the illusions and you, you're able to then, you know, formulate the illusion around your, your will, which is the, which is the fun part about it. And that's what we're heading into. And we can really see that too. And and with this, uh, with this sextile throughout the year, there's a lot of, there's a lot of kind of questioning, uh, around the illusions that we're we're being fed collectively by society, by the governments, by the media, by all of that, and there's a lot of unraveling that's happening right now, and this has been going on for quite a while. Yeah, but it's really coming to light right now, and that's why it's very important to just be aware of how. Well, one obviously how this is manifesting within your own chart and within your own uh, personal experience, but also being observant of how these kind of illusions are playing out on a more collective basis so that from that point you can, you can actually ascend to higher love because without being aware of them, you're being, you're, you're living your life in that kind of simulation of the illusions. But the moment that you become aware of that is when you are able to kind of master the higher archetype of uh, the Neptunian energy, which is higher love, which is Christ consciousness, which is, you know, surrender and, and, uh, full activation of yeah. your true sight, which is the heart and, you know, the, the intuition and all of that as well. Yeah. And it's, I think the hard part though, about that love too, is the understanding that it goes beyond this reality and yeah. having to also understand that the love or the things that happen to us in our life come from love, even when they are confusing and don't look like that they are from love. Yeah. Even when our mind deems them as positive or negative, good or bad or whatever, it's, right. it's just an illusion at the end of the day yeah. because it all is love. <laughs> yeah. And it's the ultimate form of true detachment from the whole reality opposed to where Aquarius is, kind of a detachment from, you know, very still reality-based since it's Saturn. Yeah. Um, and Uranus um, of like not in those heavens, but in a place of control and when to disconnect from control and when to come back into it. Like, like it's taking breaks. It's taking innovative ways to reinvent it, to make it better but it constantly has to keep reinventing itself instead of Pisces, which in Neptune, which is like, let's just not even be here. Yeah, exactly. And and I always found it cool too, 
if you look at the kind of order of, of the water signs, like cancer going back to the, the whole regard of, you know, our reality and looking at it, cancer is being able to tap into that higher love through our reality, through connection with others, through, you know, union with others. Scorpio is kind of the wake up call where you realize that not everything's as it seems Mm -hmm. and that there's, there's more to the picture here. Now I still have to be here, which sucks. And that's kind of the, you know, the Martian, but still the esoteric kind of aspect of Scorpio survival too. Like, yeah, I have to survive and keep going. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and also the understanding that I can be aware and tapped into higher love and see the bigger picture. I always, uh, when I'm working with clients, with a lot of Scorpio energy, I always say it's like this, this wheel where Scorpios are, are able to perceive the whole wheel, right? Death, sex, mm-hmm. transformation, rebirth, that whole karmic wheel from an external perspective while still being in it. Yeah. And that's the cool part. And that's part of the mastery of Scorpios, you know, learning how to work with that energy before finally realizing, you know, we got to go back home. And that's what yeah. Pisces is all about. And, and, and fully, you know, letting go of the, of the reins there and that mutable energy. And, yeah. and that, yeah. it, it's, it's beautiful that we're, we're really seeing that too. And that's kind of like the last little inpour of the, the age of Pisces that we see now with that Neptune mm-hmm. uh, in Pisces. It's like that final gift that we're being given right now, which I mean, can be a downfall as well, because again, there's so much, fucking illusions and, and bullshit that we have to kind of sift through to, to finally hit that point. But ultimately it is bringing us to that, that turning point, which is where we're at now. It is. And when Neptune leaves Pisces, you got Saturn coming towards it. Yeah. Push it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. It's going to be, I, I think it's really going to emphasize this kind of wake up call that people are, yeah, Our, at the uh, last degree. Yeah, literally. <laughs> well, and so uh, yeah, it's it, it's a, it's an interesting. It, this is really the in between of these these worlds right now, and I feel that doing this podcast and and doing it during this new moon in Aries is is really the signal of it with all the planets direct and after a very intense rare Mercury retrograde which I would call it the most evolutionary retrograde of Mercury we've ever seen. I would agree. I would which agree. There, the, the start of this year yeah. was fucked. Like mm-hmm. people don't understand how impactful the start of this year was. Yeah. Like Mars and Aries, all planets direct, eclipses. Holy shit. All this Capricorn energy, mm-hmm. like a lot of it, a lot of it. A lot. Saturn and Mars, like Sun full and force. Saturn conjunct the day of the new year. Yeah, literally. Literally. And Mars on the 31st goes, uh, yeah, goes on, into Aries. Goes into zero Aries, yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, it, it, it's such an it's exciting sign. It's a sign. Time. It's an ultimate sign. It is. But uh, we got to wrap up here. Yes. But if you were to give people a kind of macro advice going through this next year leading up into this Saturn Pluto conjunction and Mercury's going to be right in the middle of that too at the time of that conjunction in 2020 it's like 
no, right no. in the middle. So that's going to be interesting oh, too. Everything, everything's coming. Mars and Jupiter. And yeah, they're all coming Pluto. towards it. Um, yeah. Um, but how would but, you how would you yeah. kind of summarize that and 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 give some people some practical? Right. You so know. I'll, I'll use an example as on this podcast. I was doing a show before this, a video. I, I was doing a live show for two and a half hours, and then I jumped onto this, and I hadn't eaten. I had one of my employees bring me my food. I let it sit there for an hour before I'm like, you know what, I need to eat. And I had to pull some cancer out. Like, I got to take care of myself. <laughs> yeah. No matter how much I want to be as, you know, professional or whatever, but we're in a world where these are authenticity of still showing up, but still being emotionally who you are to take care of yourself yeah. is, is important. And uh, two is w what is going to, before you do jump and take big risks, like are you emotionally prepared? Mm -hmm. And to have done the emotional work and to be prepared for whatever happens or however rocky things get, that everything will be fine because emotionally you know how to find a safe space in yourself. Um, I would also say that th this is this is no joke as far as the rarity of these times, and that that we are as human beings experiencing a multi-dimensional chapter shift or complete new story, and that the more you accept that the more that you stop looking towards when will things be normal again because this is us accepting that this is the new norm yeah the more you get comfortable in the new norm the better you will you will thrive but every day if you keep going i wish it would feel like it was when mm -hmm. is when you are going to continue down that spiraling path of it not feeling good yeah. Exactly. Those are, those are my top pointers. Yeah, I would definitely uh I would definitely agree with you on that. And I would also just add that this transition that is happening now it truly is a once in a lifetime experience that that we're going through. And I think that it's still not really kicking in for most no, people. It's, it's the ride of a, of a, of a, an actual lifetime. It really is. And to, I mean, it's cool as an astrologer to be able to see this unfold yeah. as it is. Um, because, I mean, yeah, I, honestly, though, in this age, every transit that I look at, I'm just like, holy shit, you know, this is crazy. I haven't seen this before. And then it's like, oh my gosh. And then I look at the astrology for the month ahead or the, the year ahead or the two years ahead, five years ahead, or a cycle. And it's just like, holy, like there's, there's more and more things that we're seeing that we have never yeah. seen before. And to me, what that's all signifying is that likewise, because as above, so below, we're seeing things within ourselves and we're seeing things collectively that we haven't seen before. And yeah. uh, for better or for worse, at the end of the day, it's your choice of how you interpret this energy. And that's the cool part about astrology is, it's not to necessarily say this is the way that things are, but rather this is how the cycles are happening. And here is the best way to navigate through this energy. But 
the deepest part of all that is that all of this was already preset mathematically. Yes. Eons ago. Yeah. That's the eeriest part about being an astrologer is you don't change. You can't change the astrology. You can't change the positions. You can't change the, the math. No, this is the universe. So how, how intelligent is the God prime creator force or whatever the architects of the universe, however you want to look at it is that from our version of looking at time, how far out <laughs> from the past to as far out as the future as it's all perfectly aligned that long ago, which has got no time period as far as even understanding when. Yeah. And so that, that fate does exist, that destiny is real, and that the more people own that more, whether the negative happens and the positive, the acceptance that things are happening for a reason is the truest, easiest door opener to the divine. Absolutely. And understanding our place within all of this and yeah. asking those bigger questions that further bring us into understanding our place in all of this yeah. is the key. And that's, I mean, honestly, that's how you're going to navigate this next year. That's how I'm going to navigate this year. That's how you're going to navigate this next year. Because 100%. that's, that's the only way to do it. Yeah. And, so, and, and, and I recommend finding cool buddies or, or, you know, friends that you can talk to about this stuff with off the cuff. Like I have exactly. with you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think that's very important. And very, uh, North Node in Cancer, too, is being open to connecting with other like-minded people and establishing that sense of home, both within yourself, but yeah. also within the community, too. And being comfortable with who you are. Yeah. That you well, that's the key. You don't that's have to the do key. the Capricorn show. You don't have to... Like, I, I ate on your show. I was like... No, I was happened? honored to watch you eat chicken wings on my show yeah i need some pizza i was like you know what i'm so american g mini christmas but yeah um <laughs> you know I mean, midnight eating pizza and wings you know what i mean with a sprite i know but, the um, sprite was great that, that was my favorite i think i saw someone uh reposted one of your uh today yeah spiritual dancers i'm laughing at something and yeah. people probably think i'm drinking beer and i don't drink alcohol but then i'm like chugging it no, like chugging chugging a spray you know yeah so, so. but well, thanks so much for yeah. uh for talking and having this discussion i think it's a it was a really important discussion that we had and definitely will open the fucking pineals of many individuals listening but also most importantly is just regardless of who's listening just the fact that this is what we're doing now and this is the type of stuff that we're totally we're conversing and publicly uh publicly discussing it is such an honor to you know be on the forefront here with you uh during this time and how can everybody get a hold of you and check you out um they can just tap into my frequency <laughs> <laughs> um, just go to the leoking.com or Leo find me King. on instagram just type in the leo kingdom yep or youtube uh, yeah or youtube the leo king or uh just type in the leo king you'll find him you'll find me <laughs> <laughs> type in steve harvey <laughs> <laughs> 
But um, I just want to say I'm very proud of you, man. And I'm very proud of where you're going. I'm very proud of what you do with astrology and very proud of where you're taking it now. And very proud of how inspirational you are to others and how much of a leader that you are. And that I you're appreciate it, man. fully into your path. I appreciate that immensely, immensely. Yeah, no, we're, uh, we're starting some cool things here. And I knew that this had to be the first episode because uh, one, it's, I mean, we're recording this on a <laughs> new moon in Aries yeah. and uh, two fire signs here. So let's I go. Know. This is let's how we ignite go. it. And, I, and all the astrologers I have back to back, I have uh, Rick Levine, will be on the podcast and in, he's in Aries. another week. And then Heidi Rose Robbins, who's a Libra or a Leo. Wow. And uh, wow. so it's just, we got fire signs this month. <laughs> That's how hey, we started off. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, thanks so much for, uh, for joining me on the show and for initiating us into a mindful moment and many mindful moments we did have. And uh, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. And I will see you next week. Take care. All right. Boom, boom.